What's good and what's going on, Marquette Nation? This is your sports audio producer, Jackson Gross, here on Monday, January 9th, 2023. That's weird to say a whole new year. Hope everyone had a happy holidays and a happy new year so far. As it's an exciting week for Marquette men's basketball, as on Wednesday, they'll be taking on the number six team in the country in the Yukon Huskies. So, with that all said, I'd like to welcome in the executive sports editor for the Marquette uh, Wire and the Marquette Tribune, John Leuzzi. John, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Jackson. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Just crazy holidays and Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. Uh, before we get into some hoops talk, I wanted to ask you, what is the favorite gift you got this holiday season? Wow, that's a tough question. Um, I when you sent me the outline yesterday, I had to start. I started thinking of some stuff, and I think the what I'll go with is uh, that my family and I got to go uh, up to Broadway in New York uh, to see The Music Man uh, with Ooh. Hugh Jackman. And it's one. Of, it's my favorite play. One of my favorite movies, and obviously when Hugh Jackman is uh, starring in it, it's it's a pretty cool experience. So it was really cool to see that uh, as a Christmas gift for our family. Um, so. Pretty cool memories, and New York at Christmas can't get anything better. Oh, 100%. I'll hopefully, at some point down the line, I'll be in New York for Christmas. But yeah. uh, for me, it was it was very difficult to pick one out, but I'll just go with what I'm wearing. For those who can't see, it's a, a white Justin Fields jersey. <laughs> so number one pick, baby. That's all I'm happy about. So For now. For now, at least. For now. For now. We'll, yeah. we'll make some trades. We'll make some trades. But... Let's go ahead and get into uh, the Marquette men's basketball team. Um, just wanted to get like a quick check-in with where the team is kind of at right now. They've won seven of their last eight games. The only game they lost was that double overtime loss to uh, Providence. So what what has been going on with Marquette and why have they been able to get on this this big stretch as of late? I mean, I think the biggest thing with this Marquette team, Jackson, is that there's consistency and there's kind of this chemistry um, within the Golden Eagles, and they fit their roles. Last year, you had Daryl Morsell and Justin Lewis as your two main scorers, and then Cam Jones came on towards the end of the year. But this year, and even during the stretch, there hasn't been just one person who's been the same leading scorer. I think almost of every win, and maybe even all eight games, there's been a different scorer that has led the night for Marquette. So this team, they, they, they're following in their roles, and they're buying into their roles, and I think when you have a core like Omax, Oso, Tyler Kolak, Cam Jones, and then you add Stevie Mitchell into that starting lineup, the starting lineup has not changed either. So I mm-hmm. think you're just you're just getting more chemistry built, and you're seeing this Marquette team perhaps ahead of the curve and perhaps ahead of the schedule. But as Coach Shaka Smart talked about after the St. John's game, there's no schedule because or no plan because it will be they would want to win every single game. And that's obviously, you can't have that uh, all the time in college basketball. So I think this Marquette team, for the most part, Jackson, to answer your question, they're just playing Marquette basketball. They're playing their style. The the defense leads to the offense, but that's not even so much so Mm -hmm. true with this Marquette team. I think it's the offense leading to the defense, as we've seen that they have one of the top top 10, now top six ranked offenses, uh, according to, to statistics. In Ken Palm, so this Marquette team—they're showing flashes of of a uh, bright future. 
Yeah, there was a really great article from The Athletic on yep. Marquette's offense being the violent end of their of their team this season. So mm-hmm. if you if you have an athletic subscription, please make sure to give that a read. And I know you talked about like the players buying into the roles and it's been a, a obviously a team effort, but yeah. who is the one player that has kind of really been impressing you the most with their play over the stretch? I mean, I think I'm going to have to go with Stevie Mitchell. I mean, everybody's going to hear John called Stevie Mitchell because he's from PA. He's from he's <laughs> of the East Coast. Pennsylvania. But yeah, yeah, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but I think the, th- the big thing that we're seeing from Stevie is he's been averaging 14 points per game over this last three games. We saw in that Villanova game, he put the team on his shoulder, helped Marquette get a big win at Finneran Pavilion. Then he carried it over with double digits against St. John's and Georgetown this past week. So for Stevie Mitchell to unlock this offensive side of his game, I think it's going to be really beneficial for the Golden Eagles if he can keep it up. Because as we've seen throughout the season, he's their defensive anchor. He is the guy who wants to guard the other team's best player and lock them down, which he's done a great job at. He's taken over the Daryl Morcell role with that role of the defensive anchor. So for Mitchell to unleash this offensive thing, we might be seeing him merge into this big player that DeAndre Haynes is saying he could be Big East all-conference all team, defensive player of the year potential. So there, there's a lot of expectations and excitement for Stevie Mitchell. So for, for him to unleash 14 points over the last three games, that's, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, and I think we're finally seeing that two-way, that second part of that yes. two-way potential that Stevie Mitchell had when he came in. And for me, just seeing him play here and there, I think the next evolution is with all the ball handlers Marquette has is to start developing the catch-and-shoot three in the corner mm-hmm. or on the wing. And that will just unlock a yet another dimension to not only his offense, but the spacing that Marquette has, has already developed so far. But Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're talking about the three-point shooting. Marquette takes as perhaps in most three-pointers as any team in the country, but but that just sets the entire offense up with Tyler Kolak at the point guard, finding those pick-and-roll passes. But it's also it's just taking stuff from the athletic article that's written about the offense. They're going to take a lot of three-pointers, but that, there's a purpose behind that. Yeah, just, just to quickly fact-check you there, they rank 55th in the country at – uh, 25.3 three points attempted, yeah. but that's still fourth in the conference. So that's mm-hmm. nothing to nothing to scoff at for sure. But there's another guard that I want to talk about, and that is Mr. Tyler Kolek, according to our friend Ben Steele, the best point guard in America right now. What can you just say about, especially that performance against Georgetown? 15 assists, no turnovers. Yeah, 15 assists, no turnovers, four steals. I don't think there's been a stat line of that in quite some time in college basketball. I remember, uh, I can't recall the tweet that I saw about that after the game, but pretty impressive uh, for Kolak. He just got, uh, today he was named on the Big East Weekly Honor Roll uh, for his performance over the last week. He averaged over, I think it was 14 turnovers uh, in the last two games, maybe 11 that is. I'll have to fact check myself real quickly here. Mm. But, you know, for Kolak, I don't think point guard in the com- in the Big East, I think perhaps in the conference. I think if okay. you bring it down to the conference, you have to put him into consideration and in the, in the conversation with Suli Boom from Xavier. I think those two at the one and two are the top point guards in the Big East. 
But in the conference, you got Mike Miles Jr. from TCU. Got you got Marcus Carr, uh, Tyler Campbell. And then if you really want to talk about, if you consider him as a true point guard, you got Marcus Sasser at, at Houston, who's the new number one team in the country um, in the AAC. So I think I get what Ben was saying in that because of how crafty and how wizardy he, Tyler is on the floor. And rightfully so. I mean, mm-hmm. some of his passes, you're like, how, how, how did that happen? Uh, because he's so good in the pick and roll. He's so good with his vision. Uh, his basketball IQ has just grown this year. Um, Omax was talking about that after the St. John's game up at Carneseca. Same same thing with Coach Shaka Smart. So I think the big thing when we talk about the pick and rolls and all that passing makes that conversation. But also, you have to put in that all, some of Tyler's success has come with having someone like Oso Iguodaro as at the point, point also, mm-hmm. if I, my first time on this podcast saying it today. But <laughs> but nonetheless, just to answer your question, I think he's certainly up there as the best point guard in the Big East. I'm not sure, sure yet in America. Yeah, there's point guard position is absolutely loaded across the country. I would say probably top 15 in the country, mm-hmm. I think, is a safe place to put him. But yeah, um, yeah, but well. Move on really quick, and we've been talking a lot about the offense. The offense has mm-hmm. really taken off this year. I'm kind of I'm kind of worried about the defense a little bit. I mean, take a look at the average giving up about 71 points a game. That's seventh in the Big East. What's been the, there's been a ton of points given up. So what's what's been going on on the defensive end? I mean, I think over the last couple games, you're seeing two different tails of a halves. In all three, Marquette really has had to flip the switch. Uh, per se, in the second half, where you got locked down on defense because you have so many points up um, in that first half. And I know it, it, they might just be in this little fluke uh, where they're giving up easy baskets, but if you're looking at the St. John's game and the Villanova game, those two teams were able to score on Marquette because of the size advantage that those teams had. Um, so Marquette not being a tall team, uh, you, you don't have Zach Wrightsell now, he's out for the season. Uh, getting another surgery. So you lose at that height as in the forward position with him. So you're, mm-hmm. you have a little bit of a smaller lineup uh, for Marquette this year. And those te- those teams, and we're probably going to see it this week with UConn and Xavier, they're going to attack the paint a little bit more. Uh, they're going to go for the rim. They're trying to get those jumpers instead of maybe those long-range uh, shots where Marquette might have the, the matchup uh, in their advantage. So there's some mismatches for sure. Um, but I think just... They allowed easy shots. Um, they're allowing the big uh, the big forwards uh, to attack the rim. I think that's the biggest thing I've seen. Um, Joel Soriano was a monster in the St. John's game. 16 points, I believe he had in the first half, all coming from inside the paint. So I think for Marquette, they'd have to clean it up inside the paint. Obviously, a lot. Uh, Coach Smart likes to talk about 1% better each day, and they're, they're working for that uh, on the defensive end, I'm sure. Yeah, well, with a team like UConn coming in, we'll get into that front court matchup in a bit. Yeah. But I think they're going to have to increase that percentage by like two or three a day, at least on, yeah. on the interior. But uh, let's go ahead and switch over to talk about those UConn Huskies. After starting the season 14-0, and they've yeah. lost two of their last three, lost to Xavier, who's now ranked number 12, and lost to Providence at Providence before they took down Creighton uh, this past mm-hmm. Saturday. What's been going on with, with UConn? Is it just being on the road in two tough places, or are there real cracks starting to show on this UConn team? 
I mean, Cintas Center and then what used to be the dunk up in Providence, two really tough uh, Big East uh, home court advantages. But I think just playing a little bit better competition. Um, I mean, I'm sure the UConn definitely played good competition in their non-conference schedule. They won the, they were in the top of the PK uh, Invitational all the way in Oregon. Um, but I, you know, every team is going to face adversity. Um, and I think this UConn team is facing their adversity right now in the season. Um, they flipped it and got back in the win column against a good Creighton team mm-hmm. on Saturday up at home. Um, but when I was watching a little bit of the Xavier game right before um, the Mar- Marquette took on Villanova on New Year's Eve, it was just they just weren't able to get their shots. And they, they okay. got into a little bit of a slump. Uh, I believe they got into a couple minutes of a slump where they didn't have any field goals. Um, so Xavier took advantage of that and they got their offense going. Um, Danny Hurley had a technical that kicked them out of the game. Um, so they weren't out of their head coach. Certainly that's not an excuse. Um, but I think they're just – you know, they're just playing some good competition. Xavier is one of the best teams in the conference and in the country. They've been the entire season. Providence, you saw what they did last year, and they were able to bring some people in from the transfer portal again, and they were able to fill holes that they had after last season's team that made the Sweet 16. So, you know, this this UConn team, they got some big guys, and they're going to take the threes a lot, um, but I think they just, just got into playing a little uh, good competition in those two losses. Yeah, and I think um, in that game against Xavier, they had a ton of fouls called against mm-hmm. them. I think Xavier had like 22 free throws in the second half, 28 for the game. So something they're going to have to clean up. But to, let's finally get into the the big elephant in the room, and that's the yeah. front court matchup between Oso Godaro, Olivia Maxens Prosper, and Ben Gold, and then Adam Sangono and the rest of the of UConn's front court, where UConn is, I believe, second or first in the Big East in rebounding margin at 8.7. Mm-hmm. Marquette, 10th at negative 2.7. So this is something that has been an issue since last year. I'm honestly scared for that particular matchup between these two teams. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, Adama Sinogo is, I mean, he entering the season, you weren't sure if Justin Lewis was going to come back to Marquette and it would have been a good battle for Big East player of the year between Sonogo and Lewis. But uh, Sonogo is my easy target right now for that. If I had to think of an early contender for it, um, but he's just unreal Jackson. He's a tall man, similar, not, I think he might be a little bit better than Zach Eady what Marquette saw in, uh, okay. in that Purdue game. Obviously Eady has a little bit more height in him, but Sonogo, he unleashes it from the three when he has it open. And he had he had multiple three-pointers in that game against Creighton on Saturday. So Sonogo's going to cause a lot of problems for Marquette, just with his size, his drive to the lane, get those baskets. And he's a big spark for them. But you also have to worry about Andre Jackson is going to uh, – Johnson – Jackson, Andre Jackson, excuse me. Uh, he's going to be really big as a guard for UConn as well. And they got some – they got depth. UConn mm-hmm. has depth. I think that's the biggest thing we're going to see Wednesday night uh, at Pfizer. I think one of the bigger surprises in terms of that death has been first-year center Donovan Klingen, seven yeah. foot two, two sixty-five. He had a big He's stretch great. in that game against Creighton where he got, he hit a layup, got fouled, hit the free throw, and then got mm-hmm. fouled again, hit one of two, and that basically put the game out of reach for Creighton at that point. So 
I think he's the second tallest player Marquette will play this season besides Zach Eady. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough matchup and for sure. He's only been improving uh, throughout this season. And we saw, I think there was something that came out after that Creighton game where Dan, Danny Hurley was saying we might might need to give him more minutes. And he's he's fighting for those minutes, but he just has good agility, good footwork. Uh, he has the, the he has the shots, um, but for Marquette, if you can try to eliminate him because he might be able to just take him out a little bit with the with the press or the three two zone, if you want to go to that, that could be a big part uh, for it. But I think you do have to stop uh, Sonogo and keep him limited um, because the offense tends to go through him uh, at some at times. Yeah, and I think also it's going to come down to what Marquette's been best at this season, and that's their offense going five yep. out. So what's Marquette going to have to do or be able to do against the number one defensive team in the Big East? That's a tough question. Um, and I th- I mean, we know that they don't have the size advantage or they, they don't match up well in size uh, at, at certain positions um, for that uh, against UConn. So... You have to. You're gonna have to protect the rim. Uh, you're gonna have to try and eliminate the paint. Um, but maybe it's a game where you have to take a little bit. You have to trust the three pointers and hope that they fall in. Um, two. They started two for fourteen against Georgetown in that first half, and they hit their six. They hit six of their first ten in the second half. So Marquette knows how to shoot the three, and they know how to get that in. It's just a matter of get finding those touches and finding those. In, opportunities to get into the basket um, through the paint when you can find a hole um, with through Klingon or Snogo if they're in, underneath the rim for UConn. You might need to see a little bit of a Tyler Kolak kind of game like he did at, at Providence, uh, doing a little bit of everything, because uh, I, I think Providence and UConn are very similar uh, in the forward position if you have to look at the, at the matchups in that regard. So there's, it's certainly a big task. Um, just the depth, I think, of UConn um, is something that you can't uh, just forget about. I mean, you got Joey Calcatara, uh, for a graduate student uh, guard who's been good for UConn. Um, you guys just got some other great players. Uh, Jordan Hawkins yep. has been a good uh, guard for, for UConn. Just looking at the list right now. Um, so the depth is there for UConn, um, and they're going to they're gonna pass it. Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna get it around. And Calcatar, Cal he can shoot the three a little bit. I saw. I've been seeing. Yeah, and I think it's also gonna come down to the fact that Marquette's gonna have to get from the get go be defensively connected. I remember reading in yep. your recap the other day that Chaka was talking about uh, after the game against UConn, they weren't necessarily defensively connected in that first half, and they're basically gonna have to attack this game like it's the Baylor game against another number yeah. six team. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about. I think Tyler Kolak even mentioned it in the in the post game a little bit, and they were asking how do you kind of channel that uh, similar to the Baylor game, and you, you kind of can't. Uh, they're two different teams, two different games, um, and it's a different time of the season. Um, if that all makes sense when everybody's listening to that, uh, but you know, it's a tough task. Um, but this is a week for Marquette to show what they have, um, and you know. People are going to say it might affect the NCAA tournament resume. I'm not sure how much it will. Obviously, it will, um, depending on how the games go. Certainly, if they get wins this week, it will impact it significantly. 
Um, but with, even with a loss, I don't know how significant uh, it will be because Marquette has a couple of good wins already on their resume. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it is. But we're almost two hour, two two days uh, from tip-off at Pfizer in what is going to be one of the biggest games in the Big East this week. Yeah, and I think it's this week in general is just going to be huge to see where Marquette's going to be able to go because obviously they just came in at 25. You get a win against number six and number 12. You get a 2-0 and week. You're probably shooting up to 18 or 19 at that point. So it's going to be a massively important week for, for Shaka Smart's team. Yeah, absolutely. So I know I've asked you a ton of tough questions, but I have to give you one more, and I, I know you can definitely handle this one. <laughs> what is your prediction for, for Wednesday night? My prediction for Wednesday night, I don't know what the numbers will be like. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's supposed to be a two-point loss, according to Ken Palm. Um, I, I think Marquette will fall up short. Um, a little, just at the end, I think they're going to give you kind of fight. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is you can't have a first half like you've had in the last three games. You have to play close to 40 minutes of connected basketball um, because if you don't, that halftime deficit is going to be a lot bigger than those other three games against Villanova, St. John's, and Georgetown. Uh, so you have to play, you have to come out with the, from the get-go with that energy, uh, EGBs, deflections, kills the defensive presence uh, that might get that offense clicking a little bit earlier than it has uh, in this last couple games. Yeah, I think this one is going to be score-wise more similar to what we saw against Villanova rather than we saw against St. John's and Georgetown. I think it's probably going to end up being somewhere like a 70 to like 62 something like Mm. that, somewhere along those lines. I think, I do agree. I think UConn will end up taking it, but Marquette's going to give them a bunch of tough stretches uh, over over this game to make it really competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I think Marquette, they got that fight in them. I mean, they have been, Wisconsin game where they were down by a big margin and then they fought their way back into it. Um, So they're not going to, they're not going to stop fighting. Uh, that's just how the culture that Shaka Smart has in t- uh, instilled in his program. But it's a tough task, and I think the the team that is going to be ranked a little bit higher and a little bit more talented uh, will come out and head uh, back to stores with a victory. Well, John, this was a lot of fun getting to yes. preview a, a massive game for both sides in, in the Big East. So I really appreciate appreciate you coming on and. Excited to see you in about five or six days or so. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you doing this. And, uh, you know, basketball season's going to pick up right again. I mean, Marquette, you look at the next five games, especially the next three, they're all against ranked opponents, UConn, Xavier, and Providence. So tough, tough challenge for Marquette. But, you know, this is where really we're going to see what this team is made of and how potentially what that March run could be. It's going to be a really exciting stretch and can't wait to go with you on it and eventually get our way to New York. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Continue to have a good rest of your spring break. Make sure to go out and watch Marquette take on UConn on Wednesday. All right. Have a great day, everyone.